Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today is a great interview because I actually got to talk to Instagram, representative Instagram directly about some of the changes they're making to help the safety of our kids. So I got to speak to the safety and well-being representative Vishnavi, who had a lot of information to share about what Instagram is doing and the changes that have just been made in the past week or so, and the changes that are coming to help our kids be safe in the online world, because we can try to cocoon them, but reality is that's the new world, or it's kind of the old world at this point. And our kids are going to be online and they're going to be on these platforms. And how do we keep them safe? And she had some really good tips at the end of the interview on just general safety of how to talk to our kids and how to keep them safe. And also what Instagram is doing to keep our kids safe because Facebook is not cool anymore, but Instagram is very cool. And even very young kids or younger than what had been are going on Instagram. So we talk about how to keep our kids safe from predators. We talk about what Instagram is doing. We talk about profiles, public versus private. We talk about even them being marketed and advertised to and how they're working on that. So it was really great to be able to talk to someone directly from Instagram about those things. So before we get started though, I do want to let you know that my space program online study course is up and out and available in the world. So if you have been struggling with how to help your child with anxiety or OCD, and you feel like you want to focus on the things you can control, which is our behavior or your child or, and, or your child is not able or motivated right now to work on their own anxiety or OCD. And so you're looking at what can you do from just a parent perspective? I made the study guide that is based on Ellie Leibowitz's space program, which helps focus on parent only approaches to accommodation and the things that we can pull back systematically. So if you want to check that out, you can go to my online school. That is now my ninth class. I counted because I'm like, how many classes do I have? I have classes, tons of classes on different themes, whether it's how to crush your child's anxiety, how to teach your child to crush OCD, how to work on social anxiety, lots of classes in there. And now my ninth one is fully parent focused, doesn't depend on your child at all which is the online study guide for the space program. So you can see all of that at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. And before we dive into this interview, I also want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. As you hopefully know, they provide online OCD therapy in the US, UK, Australia, and Canada. You can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is the right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. I will leave a link in the show notes. So without further ado, here is my interview. Well, I want to welcome Vaishnavi from Instagram. She is, uh, I love your title. She is the safety and, and well-being or of well-being. Safety and well-being. Yeah. Safety and well-being person at Instagram, which I think is incredibly important. And I'm honored that you're coming in to, to talk about the things that we can do to keep our kids safe and the things that Instagram is doing to keep their kids safe. Because I know that even in my home, kids younger and younger are joining Instagram and it's kind of, it's the thing to do. And so how do we keep them safe? 
So before we get started, if you can just give us a little introduction into about your work and what you do, and then we'll go into the new policies and things that are happening. Sure. So thank you, first of all, for having me. It's so great to be here. I love the decor that you have going on in the in the back. I'm Vaishnavi. I'm the head of uh, safety and well-being at Instagram. And my role is really to work with internal product and policy teams, as well as with external experts in safety and well-being to make sure that we're designing sort of the best experiences for young people on our platforms. You know, what does a safe, healthy Instagram experience look like for them? Um, and so I'm, I really love uh, the work that I do. I've been in this space uh, for a while prior, prior to my time at Instagram. I was at Twitter for many years. And before that, I was at Google. So, you know, online safety and well-being is sort of central to my, um, and in many ways central to my identity. It's so, I've spent so much of my life working on it. And so I'm really excited to be doing it at a place as cool as Instagram. Yeah. And an important place, because I feel like that is a place where the kids are gravitating towards, you know, and other platforms, but definitely Instagram. Mm -hmm. So, and I think sometimes parents downplay maybe the, the seriousness of the risk of you know, I always think it's like, it's an open door to like a busy city street in your house, you know, and I think that a lot of us don't realize the depth of that, you know, that access that our kids have to other people that they don't know. Yeah, the internet's really, I mean, it's such a rich and complex place to spend time online. And people are coming online at earlier and earlier ages, and they're spending a lot more time online than than they used to in the past. I think about the fact that I only, you know, first accessed the internet when I was maybe 12 years old, perhaps I was 11 and a half. That's not the case for people today, right? Kids today are online this much, much earlier. Uh, and that's a really beautiful thing in a lot of ways, the kind of the diversity of people you get to meet, you're not restricted to your neighborhood or your, you know, country, you can really meet people from all over the world, you can be exposed to so many different interesting ideas and concepts, but it has to be done in like a safe and responsible way. And I think that's why teams like mine are so kind of valuable to, to do this work. And it's why those of us who are in this space are so committed to it. Yeah. And I'm glad that there are people who are committed to it because we need it. So let's talk about some of the new changes that are happening over at Instagram. Sure. So we announced a number of things last week uh, to keep young people more safe and private on our platforms. The first thing that we announced is that we are going to be defaulting all new under 16s who join Instagram to private accounts when they sign up. If you're an existing teen on our platform, we'll be sending you a notification reminding you to think about your privacy settings. And then the second thing that we did, which really builds on, you know, ongoing developments we've made over the year, is uh, we've announced that we're going to stop potentially suspicious adults from being able to discover or follow minors on Instagram. This builds on some work that we did, uh, we announced back in uh, March of this year, where we actually restricted all adults from being able to message minors who don't follow them. So building on that, taking that one step further, looking at what do we do about potentially suspicious adults. Uh, and then the final thing that we announced is that we are restricting the ways in which advertisers can target teens. Uh, so going forward across 
across our platforms, across Instagram, Facebook, Messenger, they'll be able to only target teens based on age, gender, and location. Now, a lot of these changes, as you've probably just noticed, depend on us knowing how old someone is. Are they actually a teen or are they an adult? And so we shared a little bit more about our thinking and how we're working both with industry as well as investing in technology to better understand age. Uh, And we're not going to do any of this work alone. We also shared that we're expanding our group of youth advisors, a group of experts we've been consulting with since 2017, to really help us as we continue to build for really safe youth experiences on the platform. So if if a teen or a child really, you know, mm-hmm. decides that they're 25, you know, and they just put their birth date in, you'll have technology that's going to be able to kind of glean whether they actually are that age. Yes, that's right. And so that's still very much in early days. And so we're very transparent about the fact that age is an industry-wide issue. It's something that nobody really has a definitive solution for, but we're investing in technology to help us with precisely that, to really help us assess the right age of someone and then deliver the age-appropriate experience for them accordingly. Yeah, I think that's great. You know, and I think as parents, like we have to do our part because our kids, you know, I think sometimes parents are just like no technology, you know? And I think it's just naive because our kids are going to get onto these platforms. They're going to get onto Instagram, whether they're sneaky or they're, they're going to lie about their age, you know? And so it's, it's just education as well. You know, it's working together, you know, having Instagram and other platforms do their part. And us as parents educating me, I talk to my kids so much about safety and being careful about mainly predators. I'm, I'm mostly concerned about, you know, finding young kids. So let's go to that one. That one was the most interesting one to me, <laughs> you know, is the, the predator aspect. How, how do you identify a suspicious profile? So to be clear, these are potentially suspicious adults, which means that they haven't actually broken any of our rules. If they had broken our rules, they wouldn't be on the platform. There'd be no potentially suspicious about them. We would have booted them off the platform. But they're adults who are just demonstrating behaviors that we think suggest that teens may not want to hear from them or that teens are wary of interacting with them. There's a number of signals that we take into account, and I won't go into all of them, but one small example, one one small signal that we could use is an adult who has been repeatedly blocked by multiple teenagers in a short period of time. That suggests to us that the teen probably doesn't want to hear from this adult and probably, you know, with some degree of good reason. Now, just to be clear, you know, there are going to be instances where, you know, the person may not truly be suspicious. There could be some other explanation for that behavior, but we're choosing to index towards safety and make that trade-off. Yeah. And I think it's so important. My husband worked in internet sex, children's sex crimes, and the stories that I would hear, especially in, you know, social media platforms, you know, was just really scary. And I think that we don't realize that it's really a feeding ground for a lot of a lot of these predators. And a lot of times they're going to be missed because the savvy ones aren't going to get blocked. You know, the savvy ones are going to know how to hook them in in a way that is enticing. And so part, you know, part of it is our responsibility as parents too to educate our kids, you know, to not, you know, to be weary of who someone says they are and if they don't know somebody. So it's nice to have these additional security measures, I think, for these egregious ones that are like just really out there and obvious, you know, but also I think as parents, we have to say it's, 
not solely the responsibility of the platform to protect our kids. You know, I think it's also us as parents to educate our kids. And my kids have heard way too many stories, you know, that have been a little bit sanitized about, you know, dad's doing this or dad did this. And this was a story behind it, you know, and they met on Instagram or they met on Facebook or they met on Snapchat or Mm -hmm. other, you know, areas. I think that's a really important point just to dig into that for a second. You know, those conversations that you're having are so critical and it's so great that you're having them, even though I'm sure sometimes it, you know, it's, it's not the most comfortable conversation to be having. And so one thing that we've been thinking about a lot is how can we really equip parents with the resources to have these conversations, but to have them in a judgment-free way, to have them in a way that builds trust and communication between the parent and the child. And so we've been working you know, we've been doing this for a long time, but we've been working with experts to put out a parent's guide to Instagram. And we have similar parents' guides for our other platforms as well, where we have a list of conversation starters that parents can use. Like it's a, first of all, I mean, the first section of the guide is all about the features of the platforms that you know what type of features to talk to your kid about. And then we actually have a whole set of conversation starters where you can, you know, have these discussions in an open way. So without that hint of judgment, or, or, you know, sort of dismissal of, I don't understand why you really want to use this, but to really understand why your kid wants to be online and what they're looking to get out of it. And how can the both of you work towards a solution where they can get what they want, but in a safe, private, age-appropriate way. So I think it's great that you're having those conversations and hopefully some of our resources can be helpful there too. Yeah, that's really helpful because I think sometimes parents don't know where to start they don't know how to have these conversations and they can, they can wind up alienating their kids. My, my nine-year-old yesterday said to me, mom, are you on Facebook? And I said, yeah. And she said, you're so uncool. That's <laughs> 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 so, so like 1980s, you know, <laughs> like, I didn't know what she's talking about. It's like, you know, they're, they're tapped in, you know, they're tapped mm-hmm. in already at nine and 10 on what is cool and social media, whether we want them to be or not, that's just the reality. And there are positives, you know, as far as connection in this time of quarantining and COVID and disconnection mm-hmm. to still stay in touch with their peers has been huge, I think. Absolutely. And in fact, one of the um, products that we, the one of the, fir- the first um, under 13 product that we built was Messenger Kids, which we launched back in 2017. And that really was meeting a need from the community where parents were saying that their kids are looking to message their friends. You know, their six to nine year olds are looking to have a way to connect with their friends, but there are no messaging apps or opportunities for them to do so in a way that parents felt comfortable about. And so you're right. The reality is that kids are online, they're online earlier and earlier, and they're looking for a way to connect with their friends. So how can we build those experiences for them? I think we have so much that we've learned from Messenger Kids. And, you know, as we continue to think about building for young people, we'll take that in. We are really lucky to have great experts in the fields of youth development and online safety and youth media, parenting, who can really provide us with um, input here. So I'm hopeful that that means you know, good things for the future of connectivity between um, kids and and as well as for their families. Yeah. And I love messenger kids. You know, I think that's so good, especially Mm -hmm. right now where I think kids are just, you know, they're disconnected and they're going to want to connect. And I, I love how, like, even I'll get that my daughter's blocked somebody, you know, (laughs) and I'll be like, what's going on? And actually yesterday I got when she was trying to send a link to someone, you know, just that, that amount of feedback 
is mm-hmm. incredible and so helpful because it's very, it feels very safe that they can connect and do what, you know, other people are doing, but in a safe way. So yeah, that are- is so nice to hear. I will definitely communicate that back to our product teams. We've got so many dedicated people working on these products and it's really nice for them to hear that. So I will definitely share this back with them. Yeah. It's the amount of feedback that you get as a parent is incredible. So there are safe ways for even our young kids to, to connect and interact. Okay. I want to also talk about the shopping aspect because I love that. My 17 year old, so I've got a lot of kids, you know, I've got three of them. So nine, 11 and 17, my 17 year old, she lives on Instagram and we kind of joke about like the ads that she gets, you know, she, she's all into conspiracy. She's like, mom, they're listening to me. Like I was just talking about this and look, there's an ad on Instagram about it. You know, I'm like, they're not listening to you, but they are very targeted ads. And for our kids that are impulsive and they don't have that ability to I don't know what the right word is, but they, you know, they see that one click and maybe they've got a small amount of money and they're constantly buying. I know I'm actually, I am like the worst consumer on Instagram because I will, I will shop on Instagram almost every time I go on Instagram because they're so good. I'm like, oh, that's a shirt I would totally want. Oh, those are pants. How do they know that? These are pants I absolutely want. So I know in the algorithm, it's like Natasha, she'll buy it. (laughs) But we don't want that for our teens. You know, I'm an adult. I can control myself. But so what was the purpose of bringing that out and how is that going to help, do you think? So we've been thinking about, and we've constantly been thinking about the best way in which to serve experiences for all members of our community. And in general, to your point, like ads can be really good, relevant things. Like they help you pick out exactly what it is that you're looking for and they can kind of, you know, help you connect with something that you had been looking for and 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 make help you make that connection there. There's also ways to control your ad experience online as an adult, right? We have um, your ad preferences where you can go in and say, show me these types of ads versus those types. But as we were thinking about this more and we're thinking about what this looks like for teens and young people, we know that it's often difficult to put that much decision-making in their hands. So asking them to actively go into their ads preferences and then set and adjust what it is that they're looking for. And so we decided to really streamline the type of experience that we're serving them, making sure that we don't have, that we're prioritizing their well-being and prioritizing their development first. And when they turn 18, we'll, you know, graduate them into a regular ads experience. They'll be able, we'll show them their ads preference tool. They'll be able to control the types of ads that they want to see And that felt like the right balance to strike between recognizing the importance of ads and the relevance of ads to people, and also recognizing that teens are in a different place when it comes to making those kinds of decisions than an adult might be. Yeah, and I think that's wonderful because I agree. You know, I mean, I actually, ironically, I actually like the ads because I do find very cool things on there that I normally, and I'm not, you know, that I wouldn't see otherwise, but I don't want my 16, 17 year old seeing those ads nonstop either. So I think that's great that there's going to be some control over that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So lastly, I want to ask you with all your experience, because you do deal with like kind of the dark part of the, of the web, what advice in general would you give parents as far as keeping their kids safe online and, and particularly on Instagram? You know, I think it can be very appealing to have a knee jerk reaction to, to an online experience and say that it is 
universally good or universally bad, but just like everything in life, including your offline experiences in the world, there are going to be great enriching things about being online and really like scary things about being online. And I think having that balanced mindset when having those conversations with your kids is really important for parents. Young people are finding connections online at a pace that they probably haven't in, you know, in, in, in as long as I've been around. And it's a really wonderful thing. Uh, people are able to, with very niche, diverse interests, are able to find connection and community online in a way that their physical boundaries may not always let them have. So recognizing the value of that and coming to conversations with that perspective is really important. I'd also say that in terms of staying safe online, the biggest tip that I give like everybody I talk to is to be really intentional about the experience that you have online. So go in making active choices about what you want to see, who you want to interact with, and how you want to be perceived online. Like go in with that very intentional mindset. That I think that framework makes everything else fall into place at a much easier speed. So for example, if you're setting up an account, make an intentional choice about whether you want to have a private account or a public account. There's good reasons why you may want a public account. You could be a team creator, you could be an activist, you could be an athlete looking to raise awareness, but there's very good reasons to have a private account and restrict the visibility of your content to only people who you know and trust. So make an active, intentional choice about that. Make intentional choices about who you talk to online and why you're talking to them, what you want to get out of that conversation. Think about the tools that are available to you. And as parents, remind your children of those tools that are available to them. And finally, think about the image that you're presenting online. Like, what do you send to other people? What do you say online? Think actively about that image. And just in my mind, I think the internet really is forever. So kind of keep that in mind as you're making those choices. Those would be my top three tips. Those are good tips. I love those. You know, I always say to my kids, I'm going to, and I really don't do this that much anymore with my 17 year old, who's almost 18, but with my two younger ones, I say, I'm going to look at your phone. I'm going to look at your iPad. Because whatever you put out there, whatever you're texting, whatever you're posting, everyone else is seeing it. So it's never private. And so, you know, I think for those parents, I think we're evading our kids' privacy. It's like we want to convey that message that everyone is seeing it. There's this digital footprint that will never, ever, ever go away. You know, I use my husband's work for that, you know, that he could see things that were deleted. He could see things that were on a server, like, you know, there's warrants, you know, like there's nothing that's private. And so... I think that's so important to, to let our kids know how they're going to represent themselves. And I love how you highlighted intention. We need to have some intention. Who are we talking to? How we're representing ourselves? Because we're on a stage. It's public, whether you think you're having a private chat or not, though. So. I will say that I will say that on our end, like we are committed to really making sure that you can have safe and private interactions online. A lot of the work that we're doing really recognizes that we want young children and young people to get to explore the internet without necessarily having this huge digital footprint that's going to accompany them for the rest of their life. So a lot of the changes that we've announced, as well as the work we've been doing over the last few years, really kind of speaks to that. But I agree, I think being intentional and being mindful of who can see and engage with your content is a really big part of being online. Yeah. And that is nice because it is kind of like overwhelming that what an 11 year old is going to be looking at or doing is like digitally there forever. So Mm -hmm. it sounds like you guys are doing fantastic work. So I appreciate you coming on and highlighting that for my parents. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I hope this is helpful. Very helpful. Thank you.
Thank you. Well, I hope you found that interesting. I think it's so important for us to talk about internet safety and it's always great to talk to the source about what they're doing to help keep our kids safe. And it's a good reminder too, of what we should be doing to keep our kids safe. I saw way too much in my husband's world when he was with us of just the the scary, crazy things that can happen. And it has taught me not to be naive about how many people are out there, not to scare you, (laughs) but as long as we can really educate our kids and fill them with the knowledge of of the potential of, you know, that the world is not always rainbows and sunshine, that it can really help them uh, keep an eye out. We don't want them to be naive. We don't want to scare our kids, but we also don't want them to be naive. I'd rather actually move a little bit more towards scaring them a little bit, intimidating them a little bit to know who you're talking to. I always joke with my kids, you might be talking to a 50-year-old, 60-year-old guy in their basement. You don't know. And the odds are pretty high that you are. <laughs> you know, So be careful. And I say that from my own experience. Unfortunately, I had a front row seat to internet child sex crimes when my husband was an agent and was working those really difficult cases and was making the world a safer place for all of us. And so I hope that that continues with our own work, with working with our kids. So I hope that you're enjoying the podcast. Sorry, this is a little bit of a heavy topic today. If you are enjoying the podcast, I always appreciate you hitting a star and rating the podcast or leaving a review or and or leaving a review to let other parents know the value that you're getting from this show. And I always like to end the show reading one of them if I can find them. And I do apologize if people are leaving reviews other than iTunes. Sometimes I don't see if you're leaving them in other places that I don't look. So I read them from from iTunes, but I do want to say thank you to those that are leaving them in other areas. Sometimes I do see those. But I want to say thank you to Dil GR, who wrote, love this podcast. So glad I found this podcast. I have anxiety and so does my son. I get so much helpful information out of every podcast. Natasha, you are amazing. And thank you for doing this podcast for us. Well, thank you for leaving a review. I really appreciate it. And if you leave a review, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. So I hope that you guys find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.